and welcome to another episode of the Movie Quest podcast. Uh, I am joined by my two friends. Um, one of them you know, Johnny. Hello, everyone. And our good friend, Ben. Hello, Ben. Hiya. Welcome to the Movie Quest podcast. Uh, as a... Psyched to be on it. Oh, it's his first time. Um, we are, I have to apologize for audio quality. We are recording on my mobile phone. But the reason we're recording is we've just seen Oppenheimer. Um, Johnny, what was the question that you wanted to ask? What was the the thing you just said? I said, how how do we all feel? Like we, it's half past eleven. We've sat through three hours of Nolan's um, retelling of Oppenheimer. Like, what's your sort of general feeling? Like, are you, are you in a good mood, bad mood? Where are you right now? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I actually kind of feel heavy, like a weight of the, I guess the topic, you know, like nukes and uh, making the bomb, atom bomb. Uh, and it kind of also gave you, a, I guess, like biopic cement to a glimpse into the mind of Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that seemed a bit like, especially at the start, it was kind of just... The, the depth of a physicist's brain like that is kind of a lot to take in. None of us are physicists in this room. Um, all musicians uh, by trade, or music technicians by trade, um, so I guess we wouldn't really be able to speak on the physics side. But I really, going in, I actually had no clue um, about like nuclear bombs, how they were made. I mean, I obviously knew about splitting the atom. I knew about that, obviously. I also didn't know that an atom bomb and a hydrogen bomb, there was like major differences. But obviously there is because one's to do with atoms, one's to do with hydrogen. Um, but I just thought it was about splitting, you know, things. And it, so it was sort of news to me when it when they were talking about the differences in the film. I mean, as, as you said, Ben, I know there were the film sort of explores like, this is going to spoiler alert. Uh, this film explores like a court case in and amongst basically the American people or part of the American people, or maybe the American government are trying to um, catch Oppenheimer out due to his sort of left leaning pol- political feelings. After the bomb went off, he sort of obviously felt guilty about what he's done, so started to put things into place that would protect the whole world against more nuclear bombs being made um and we obviously live in a world now where that sort of worked i guess but yeah the film covers that um and covers the creation of the uh the atomic bomb being made and the fallout and it was pretty um as ben said heavy uh i would say i thought it was shot really well i thought the film was incredible like in terms of like the music um the acting, like I think for me, my favorite uh, performance probably Emily Blunt. I think she had the best moment in the film, where she's been interviewed by the American government, and I don't know, she just the way her character changes from being really scared to just being like completely, I don't know, she's she's just like, like on the attack. Yeah, on the attack, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, aggressive towards him, like. Like basically, the American government are like beating Oppenheimer down, like bringing all the all of his sort of science 
friends back in who have helped him like create the bomb and they're kind of like making them testify against him not because of like him being a great scientist but of him having these views um but it's at that moment where the film kind of takes a turn and you, they start kind of winning i guess um in terms of Oppenheimer's reputation i don't know would he i don't know would he have gone to prison or if or would his would it have just been his reputation that would have been ruined or i'm not entirely sure what would have happened if he'd have lost that kind of case but it didn't seem like a court case it, yeah it was like sort of security clearance wasn't it yeah uh, for the atomic uh, energy agency or whatever it's called yeah, I really didn't. I, yeah, I get that actually. Now that you've sort of said that, but at the time I was like, "That's what the battle was for." It was sort of like because he was putting the policy in place to, yeah, to fight against the creation of more nuclear he, devices. I, I think he was, he was trying to push for like cooperation between Americans and the Russians to like yeah. work together and not against each other, mm. um, and therefore not blow each other to pieces. I mean, I don't really know a huge amount about the Cold War, but that's kind of, I think that's what it basically is, was like this massive tension for ages that Russia was going to send nukes to America and America was going to send them back the other way. And yeah, maybe if Oppenheimer had kind of been given um, like proper reign in deciding what happened, then that might not have happened, maybe. Yeah, I think I think he was trying to stop like the arms race with of like nuclear weapons and like the the H bombs. Um, yeah, I forget that. I think Russia actually tested one of the biggest one ever in the end. Um, somewhere in the Ar- uh, in there Ar- is it Arctic up there? The Arctic, yeah, the Arctic Circle or something. Yeah, so it was like massive, absolutely massive. But yeah, um, but uh, so I, I guess yeah, like you say that we we kind of. We live in what Oppenheimer wanted in the end, which is like this assured mutual destruction thing. <laughs> which sounds like uh you don't I mean it's not really something you think about, but it's it's kind of it's there. It's there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um what did you guys think of Cillian Murphy and his performance of Oppenheimer? Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's it, just very good. Not not uh, you know, award winning or um like, I like I've seen pictures of Oppenheimer, but like now I just see Silly Murphy as like the the scientist. Um, like he played it so well, like believable. It, it like in all the different stages of like being recruited, going through the actual creation, and then the um, you know the the weight that must have been on him with the knowing that he's um created this device that could that's killed you know hundreds of thousands of people mm. like the way he's portrayed it it's just so good um or not good but like just believable yeah um, believable is just like, the right word yeah um yeah very watchable just to see this person change throughout the how throughout his life really um although i thought the very last scene where he was really old i thought that kind of looked a bit cheesy yeah but i bet i play ethics were a bit odd i thought but it's not silly and smart though 
He didn't age well, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the near future. Um, one of the things I actually really, really enjoyed was, um, I assume it's going to be Hans Zimmer. I haven't actually checked, but Hans Zimmer scores. There was it strings with mixed with like, it felt kind of like 80s synth-esque type music, and it was really, really high up in the mix as well in certain cases. And that mixed with like the explosion noises um, really was really quite interesting. Um, and I always think, you know, like, especially with Hans Zimmer, it's always going to, every time he sort of creates a score, he's always picked to sort of be, to create a score for a film. I'm always thinking like, oh, it's going to sound like a Hans Zimmer, you know, film or score or whatever. Yeah. Apparently it's a guy called Ludwig oh. Göransson. Oh, Ludwig. Yeah. All right. That, okay. That, def- okay, good. There we go. It's not, it's not. As well. So that's. Christopher Nolan's last film. Oh, he's um Ludwig is a pupil of Hans Zimmer. Oh yes, he's Hans, a, the Zimmer Studios. Hans, yeah. Hans Zimmer. Uh, so Hans Zimmer did like loads of Nolan films, and then yeah. when it came to Tenant, uh, Zimmer was working on Dune, so he basically didn't have time to work on Tenant. So, but what he did was he took um, Ludwig under his wing and gave him like advice or mentored him um uh into into doing the score for tenant and obviously man he's gone on to do mandalorian and um and this as well is isn't ludwig the childish gambino producer i think so yeah oh i knew it was something crazy yeah 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 i knew that was something like like some sort of wild wild thing yeah i mean the mandalorian score is chef's kiss so um, is there any other last before we sort of sh- I can shut this down? But is there any other sort of final final thoughts or maybe I don't know? Would you rank where would you rank it in Nolan films? I guess if you can do that because it's very difficult to sort of do that because we think films like Dunkirk and this obviously they're real and they happened. Can you really rank those things? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean uh, I don't know. It's very fresh at the minute. I don't think it's as good as some of his other stuff that he's done, um, but it's it's an important story. And he's I think he's told it well. I'm not sure if it's like everything's hundred percent accurate and true because I'm not a historian, but it seems quite believable. But um, yeah, it's been told in a way that's fairly palatable, but it's quite a complex story to be honest. Um, and for like a mass market film that it's been marketed by it's it's got some quite complex uh things going on obviously it's very sciencey at the beginning and then at the end it's like a like a big court case and you've got to remember everyone's name because otherwise you don't know who's telling on who and you know mm. i'll show you going but yeah it's, it's a film you probably see it yeah i would recommend that too mm. yeah and no, i th- i think it was good um like I, I, I was saying, just as we believe in, I've not. It, there was this, like several different flavors of film all rolled into one for me, and and that was quite unusual. This guy, like this kind of like, who done it Paro style thing at the end, but then you got like this apocalyptic kind of feel in the middle, and then at the start it's like, it's kind of like inventing something new, and yeah, I think it's good. Uh, I think the only thing I'd like to pull out that we haven't mentioned is just like. 
I mean, we said about score. It's one of those where the sound design always kind of blends a bit with mm. the music. But like, all my days when that drop bomb drop, yeah, I thought that was insane. I mean, obviously, it's it just like dead quiet. Like spoilers again, obviously. But then, just that that sound as it that shockwave hits. Yeah, you felt like you're in the room yeah. and you got hit by it. It was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Also, the uh, there's a scene pretty much after that where it, I would probably call it the scene where the reality and the weight sets into Oppenheimer, where he's in a room full of his peers and everyone's celebrating the fact that the bomb has dropped. And then you sort of see, because a lot of the film plays with the men- mental reality of like what sort of, or to sort of tell what's going on in Oppenheimer's head because it plays with like, you know, the back wall like sort of shaking or something something to those to those effect um but that the sound design and that was insane because there was a bit where he's speaking and they've obviously put the dub but they brought the dub forward so that it's like in your head but then this mic is moving and it doesn't feel like it's synced up and it's sort of like it really does a great job of telling you the, the viewer that like he's not okay and everything's sort of breaking for him at the time um yeah the the, the people who created that film obviously because they're going to be the best of the best did a great great job and i'm going to f- assume that it'll be up t- for various awards probably um it's nice because i didn't really enjoy tenant um i think uh nolan for the for the most part, um, when he's sort of playing with World War Two, because I know that you mentioned that Ben mentioned beforehand that he's sort of interested in World War Two history and and stories around that. Um, I also think I feel like Nolan is also similar in that aspect, where Dunkirk things like that, he sort of excels in those areas. Yeah, yeah. I just like to add, Odie Rochdale's pretty pants. Love it. What's with that light that kept coming on? I- I said to Ben, like, I saw some reviews of this cinema before I came, and I was like, one of the reviews was like, yeah, this light kept coming on, but, um, yeah, it might have just been us, but it seems like it's just a common occurrence that there's a big bright white light that comes on for, like, 10 seconds every half an hour. Yeah. Um, Projection wasn't great, and sound was pretty pants. And, like, even the sign, I'm looking at it now, The it's only the O and the D of the Odeon that's actually lit up. <laughs> Maybe a bit at the end. Right, odd on. Odd on. Odd on. Yeah, no, um, if you do go see this film, don't come to Odin and watch it. But I had a good time. It was nice. It was a nice, like, I do I do enjoy going to the cinema with a few guys. Like, I think uh, the last time at least a group of our friends went to see this the, the film, it was the D&D. Oh, yeah, the D&D. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's always good because yeah, we always come out. We always have like a chat. We've done it with Star Wars. We've done it, we've done it for years actually, uh, and then sort of Johnny Ant and I decided to turn it into a podcast. But um, it's always fun to sort of hear what people think and then chat through it. And uh, just say thank you to Ben for joining us. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on actually because it'd be nice to have guests on again. Hin hin, Johnny. Anytime. <laughs> We'll just we'll pick a maybe a less heavy film. I mean, we might get you to pick a film. That's what we did with uh, Phil. Phil Phil picked a film, film didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. It's so long ago. <laughs> that was like uh, eight. Yeah, it was someone Lewin Davis. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, we hope that the audio quality isn't 
awful. And uh, remember, don't come to Odin Rochdale. That's what we've learned. Ciao, ciao. Right, so I've just, uh, just pulled up home after watching Oppenheimer at cinema. After their sort of little excursion over to Leeds to watch it on a big showcase XL. Got some nice uh, comfy seats. Watch on the big screen. And yeah, well, it's it's a long film. Good, good, good beefy, chunky film it is. Um, I don't even know what to say about this film. Uh, it was yeah, Cillian Murphy. It was amazing. Um, Emily Blunt, incredible as well. Just really good, solid performances. Um. Uh, obviously, like they broke the film up into three parts. Really, you have your sort of early days of Oppenheimer and who he is and uh, where he's come from, and then his sort of involvement a little bit in like communism and and sort of the the faculty of uh, of the universities, and then. Um, you, yeah, and then it goes into obviously the war effort and them and them trying to build the bomb, um, which has some brilliant scenes in it. Um, and then obviously towards the end, it's more focused on the trial or like the committee hearing, whatever it is. Both with them, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, really good film. Really just solid. Quite a slow uh, burner, not like something that goes down really smoothly. I think you have to really focus on a lot of time what's going on, I found. There's just so many characters, so many scientists that it's it's really difficult to like, you have to just really focus really hard on what's going on. I think a lot, a lot of Christopher Nolan films suffer from this as well. Is If I was watching this at home, I'd have it on Russell Tiles because... Um, yeah, just trying to fully understand what's going on. Like everyone's talking quite fast, a lot of names just thrown about, and uh, people talk quite naturally. I think um, so. It's just quite hard to fully grasp exactly what everything was happening, just from like a, a, a just like a voice, like understanding the voice the voices of everyone. Um, yeah. Really, yeah. I mean, I don't, I won't really go into too much because it's just, yeah, it's just a massive film. But yeah, Forms is a great. Love some of the cameos that are in there. Um, the the morale, the, the whole morality of it, I thought was done in a really good way. Um, and like obviously him, sort of struggling with some of the aftermath, um, and the way that they used. For me, probably the best scene in the film, I'd say, or one of the best scenes, was the scene um, towards the end of the film where they're, they're sort of celebrating that the bomb's gone off, and he, you know, and he, and he comes out to talk to the crowd of scientists, and they're all like banging their feet on the on the benches, and it's just a sort of interesting mixture between 
this like euphoria and, and exuberation of everyone cheering and 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 being excited that 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 what they've managed to do that they've accomplished and the effect that we brought at the end of the war, but then it's also mixed in with this sort of screams and shouts and and um what you imagine the aftermath might have been making little snippets sort of leaking into his into his mind as he's trying to deal with what what he's actually done and i thought that the way that he sort of bend reality a little bit and bring that in is um it sort of it hints a little bit towards some of the sort of intrusive thoughts he has at the start where he's he's uh, where he's like more of a um, he's a student at the start of the start of the film where he's, where he's looking to um, he's thinking a lot about the universe and he's getting all his like imagery of like of like particles and different like different parts of his imagination that's like in, intruding on his on his uh, mindset and he sort of bring that in towards the end with the uh, intrusive thoughts of what's actually what's actually occurred in Japan um, fascinating film Robert Downey Jr. as well is really good in it, uh, playing against Typhoon, what he normally plays, playing the baddie. Um, yeah, just really good. Um, not sure I'll come back to it, watch it again, like anytime soon. Maybe something I'll revisit if it in like maybe 10 years' time or something, but um, yeah, very impactful film. Glad I saw it on a big screen, and uh, yeah. I wonder where Chris Nolan goes next. Anyway, right. That's me done for tonight. I'm off to bed. See you later.